Welcome to a bachelor's interview. My first interview, and today's guest is Jennifer Buck, a new published author, and her first book, Dandelions. I finally noticed that they all seem to be holding a piece of paper and reading it. I approached my locker to see what the sheet of paper was. It was a copy of a page from my journal. It was the page where I had written only once, but I could never say out loud. I am gay. I had written it down and Gail had torn that page from my journal. Everything went into slow motion and the feeling of nausea was coming. I looked at my locker to also see words spray painted on it. Dyke, fag, lezzy. That was a passage from Dandelions, an important coming-of-age story about a young lesbian girl growing up in rural 80s North Carolina. The author, of course, is Jennifer Buck, and I'm going to have a Q&A with her in about three seconds. I'm back, and I'm, I'm with Jennifer. And I'm, Please, Jennifer, please plug your book and tell us what your book is about. Hey, Damien, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, my book is called Dandelions, and it is the journey of a young girl named Josephine, who the bullies call Yonder. And it's about growing up in shaming of being poor, religion, and a very diverse family and the people in town and what happens to them. And it really just profiles how some people either survive being knocked down or they don't. And just really the adventures that a young girl will find to survive. And the story takes place in the 80s, so it has some really interesting points of views on homosexuality, transgender culture, and transsexual culture long before it was ever prolific in current society. Do you have a website where we can find your book, Dandelions? I do have a website. It's authorjenniferbuck.com. And it's got some profiles up. It's still under construction a little bit, but people can leave stories and they can leave comments there if they like. They can also purchase the book there. On the topic of coming of age story of being gay, of of Yonder's, is there much of a difference between Yonder's experience and someone growing up gay now? Well, I think now it's a lot different because now Will and Grace has been on TV, Queer as Folk has been on TV, The L Word's been on TV, and there's all these queer characters written into main storylines, and homosexual culture has become a pop phenomenon almost. Like right now at the Olympics, all the gay athletes are being highly profiled. Twitter, Facebook, I think there's just a lot easier road for I'm not saying it's easier emotionally because it's always hard to be different, but I think there's a lot easier access to information that can supply them with facts, contacts, support groups, and other friends. Do you consider yourself a pioneer in the gay movement, someone who's been around for a long time, seen a lot of things? I don't know if I'd call myself a pioneer. It's it's interesting because no one story is alike. Like, I never dated men ever, and I met a lot of lesbians my age who were married, but I never had that pressure. And then, I mean, I did do work with activist group. Like, I worked with AIDS Arms. I worked with the Pink Angels. I worked with Meals on Wheels in Youth First Texas. So I try to be an active member in my community, but I think really the pioneers were the ones like Ellen and other people who really put their life in a spotlight or, you know, Marsha, who was part of Stonewall. I think those are the pioneers. I think I was just really stubborn and determined that nobody was going to tell me who to be. <laughs> Do you think the gay movement is still alive and um, moving upwards? 
It is. It's just different. Like I joke around that being gay used to be a lot more fun because our bars used to be where we went all the time. But they had to be uh, they had to be in a certain area and you had to know where they were. And they were always under the constant fear of being attacked. But everybody gathered in one place. And we all it just feels like now it's so scattered and the gay bars are just closing down left and right and the gay bookstores are closing down left and right. And it just feels like, yes, we've emerged into modern society, but we've almost lost ourselves as a group and a culture, in my opinion. So once you join the uh, the melting pot, is there a sense of loss of identity or you're losing your identity? It feels like it sometimes. I mean, we're accepted. We have marriage quality and everything. It just feels like us as a community sometimes we just don't come together as much as we used to. And it just feels like there's so much diversity even in our own community now. Like I was reading this article the other day bashing the term gold star and you know gold star lesbian was someone who never slept with a man and these new younger 20 some lesbians were bashing that term and then you know the transgender movement is huge now which is fantastic but people argue about whether or not they should be part of the gay community and it just seems like there's so much diversity in our own community and and not enough unity uh so is past gay movement appreciated by the younger generation I appreciate to a point where they understand the suffering, the sacrifices, uh, a lot of things. The civil rights movement, basically, is that appreciated by the younger generation of gay folks? I don't know. I mean, you know, I see people out there like Trish Bendix, who's a a writer and editor, and she's very educated in queer history. Um, But then my experience with the youth here at Youth First Texas is they're not. Unless you show them a documentary on Netflix or someone brings up a topic on the TV show or movie, they have no clue. And the Stonewall movie was so poorly done. There's just not a lot of tangible resources. It's just I don't think a majority of them are. It can be a very dangerous thing not knowing history if uh, and not knowing that the rights that you have now wasn't always there and you know, you can allow country can become where they allow certain political parties to get their way and and um, peel back some rights. Um, it could be very dangerous. To, um, I think you may agree with that. I think that I think that still I think our rights are still under fire a lot because I meet kids online who still live in these small towns like Roanoke Rapids, where Yonder's from, and even though they have the resources, there's still a lot of Trump following homophobia in that community. And, you know, there's still kids being bullied all the time. And there's these transgender women being murdered at such a high rate. So I think even though we have the right to marry and we have laws protecting us in our place of employment, I think there's still so much homophobia out there that that is just in and of its own. I think that history is a great thing to know, but I think as a community of adults, we need to create better resources for our youth in general, whether they're queer or not. When you first, your book first came out, I saw some, some Twitter uh, response to your um, misuse of pronouns or language that might have not been around in Yonder's day. Can you elaborate on that? Well, you know, Sam is based on my best friend growing up, and my best friend gave me permission to write Sam just as his life is. 
And growing up in the 70s and 80s, transgender wasn't even a word we knew. We didn't know anything about it, especially in Rapids, where we had zero access to anything. So growing up, Sam went by she. We called Sam she. Sam, Sam referred to herself then as a girl and just said, you know, I should have been born a boy, but didn't know how to talk about it further. Didn't understand it further. And our friend Wayne, who's also based on a person, identified as transsexual. And that was a highly used term in the 70s and 80s. And people who exist now who are fighting for their lives and who are prolific in the transgender community felt that Sam should have been called he throughout the whole book, or I should have explained why Sam was a he and that I shouldn't have called Wayne transsexual. But that was not realistic to those times that we grew up in. And that was one or two people, a majority of the people in the transgender community who I've spoken to since completely get it. But they get it because they grew up in that time. And the people who did not don't understand that there was a time where you just, you had no outlets. You had no media, no magazines, no newspaper, no Twitter, no Facebook. So you didn't have words. And it was that simple. And that was a the controversy. They wanted my book to be a current profile of transgender issues. But it couldn't be because it took place in the early 1980s. So as a writer, you want to keep the language of that time it gives it more authentic um, storytelling rather than caving into uh, today's politically correct environment or, you know, having to say certain things a certain way. Well, it was very important to me because the person who Sam is based on gave me permission to write his life and write his life even now in the third novel. It was very important to me to be honest to Sam's life because he faced a different battle than some transgender youth face now, and they all face battles, but Sam had zero resources, so we both felt it was true to the story to identify Sam as she then and understand that she back then had no idea she was even allowed to call herself he. So it was very important to keep that much truth in that story. Who's your favorite character of your own book, Dandelion's? Well, obviously Sam, but that's because there's a lot of me and Yonder, and Sam was my best friend. Um, I want everyone's favorite character to be Yonder, but for me it's Sam. But, the, you know, Sam was my best friend, and Sam saved my life in the beginning, and I don't think my childhood would have been the same without him. What was your writing process in this really uh, detailed, uh, rich character book? You know, it's funny because with this, I don't really have a process. Um, I just kind of have, for the past 10 years, been writing down memories from my childhood. And then when I try to put it together as a book, there were memories missing and people I couldn't remember. So that's why it became fiction, because I filled in a lot of blanks. But there was really no process. I just kept writing stuff down and putting it together. And then finally, over the past two years, I sat down and tried to actually make it a structure. Unlike when I write science fiction, I actually sit down with post-it notes and plot the whole thing out from beginning to end. With this kind of, of literature, you really just have to free write and then try to make something consolidate out of it when you're done. And um, getting it published and getting it out there, what was your, what's your feelings about the whole process of being an independent writer, independent publisher, getting it, getting it finally done? 
Well, you know, at first I try to send it to publishing companies because there are so many people out there self-publishing and there are so many articles on, on the pros and cons of it. But I never heard back from any publishing companies. But working in entertainment myself, I know that those manuscripts can sit on those desks for years. So at one point, I was just like, you know what? This isn't about making money off of this book. This isn't about having a big publishing contract. This is about as many use as possible, whether queer or not, getting their hands on this book and preserving a chunk of what it was like to be queer in the 80s. So thanks to you actually putting me in the director of book, direction of Book Locker, I just said, okay, let's, let's self-publish and see what happens. I found that your book, Dandelions, um, was very appropriate for like, if I was in middle school, coming of age story for myself, I don't even have to be... Uh, questioning my sexual orientation just be a book about coming of age or growing up. Do you think it's appropriate for, say, middle-aged students and up? I, I, oh, I agree. Middle school and high school, definitely. The young adult audience, the beauty of a young adult audience is, is young adults today obviously are very educated on topics because of all the resources they have on social media and the television. So I don't think there's anything today that is 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 something they've never seen before. So I don't think there's anything in the book that is, is too, I don't know, too sexual or too verbal for them. So I think middle school, yeah, I think middle school and high school is perfect. And the beauty of young adult is a lot of adults could go after young adult novels to read, but definitely a young adult because they're the ones right now who are so high profile because of their opinions and resources and my god what's happening in the schools here in this country i think we both can agree that the united states of america is more progressive when it comes to gay rights more free but say for instance i live in china i work with young um students and some of them are gay and they seek out advice but i don't really have much advice because I'm always thinking I'm in a country, I'm a guest, I should respect the customs, but there's a social stigma for being gay and I think people are personally suffering because of that. So um, what gleam of hope can we give these kids or advise these kids about being gay? in a country where it's not accepted. I try to imagine that, what it's like, because even growing up in the time that Yonder did myself, it, it was hard because people could attack you. But in other countries, it, it's actually illegal. And it, it could end up in prison sentences or death, like that one country that just recently published a magazine art on how to spot homosexuals, and then another country that just completely removed gay rights. And I try to imagine what it's like to be in their shoes. And the only thing I could tell them is to be brave, but at the same time, make sure that they, they protect themselves. You know, this going to the family's house with someone of the opposite sex, it's, it's a necessity in some countries for survival to be able to, to live and not be put in jail. So the only thing I could tell them is to keep fighting and keep pushing and keep trying to be at the front of, of getting those countries to understand, but at the same time, protect yourself. 
uh, perhaps an outreach for uh, uh, international gay uh, use of, you know, gay people to, you know, have a way to get advice from people around the world who are more, who are more free to be who they are. I think that's a good idea. That's a great idea because in some countries that's their only access. I mean, I have friends who work in activism and I hear stories all the time about certain countries, you know, like Russia and, and Africa and different countries where it's illegal and these youth are being rounded up and they're being murdered or they're being hurt or they're being thrown off of buildings. And, you know, at the end of the day, everybody needs somebody to talk to. So if there was a place they could go and there's lots of internet groups and there's lots of social media groups, but from what I can understand, certain countries have such power over the internet that they can't even access those. And this kind of brings me to my point of, um, your website provides a forum to people to share their story, and it's not currently blocked in China, but uh, you you have a way for people to share their experience in life. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, they can go to my website, authorjenniferbuck.com, and there's a tab that's, that's for your stories and reactions. And I just really want people to be able to have a voice to say how they feel, whether it's anonymously or under a different name or their name. And that so someone else who's not brave enough yet to tell their story can read those stories and maybe feel some hope because, you know, for me personally, I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere until I finally got the opportunity when I went to college to talk to other queer people. So storytelling is very powerful and very important. Uh, so what's next for Danalize? Is there a continuation of the story, uh, more books to come? There is. Um, there's actually two more books. Um, there's Wayne Wishes. Wayne has his own book because I think it's very, very important to tell stories of what it was even like in the 50s and 60s. And then there's a third novel called Dead Trees, which we regroup with Yonder currently in 2017 to see what her life was like as a teenager and see what her life is like now as an adult. So there's a total of three books in the lives of these people. But I think I'm going to wait another year before I put any more out because I really feel like it's important for me to focus 2018 and getting deadlines into the hands of a lot more youth. Uh, we have some uh, a lot of um, independent authors on our, that come visit my website and um, you know submit their books to review. What ideas do you have to get that get dandelions out there to get the word out there, spread the word of a good book? I mean, it's just word of mouth and, and your friends and, and your contacts because there's so many people on social media now. I think it's important just to stay on social media. And I've reached out to LGBT resource centers. I would love to be able to reach out to some overseas if I can get the content to them and get the book translated. It really is just trying every day to reach out to one more person because it's, as you know, it's, it's not cheap to self-publish or self-promote it, but you have to be willing to put time. Yes. Get this book in your hands. Um, you can read my review on lifeofabastard.com. Just go over to a bastard review, but Jennifer, please plug away, plug your wonderful professionally, um, written book. It's really wonderful. Please plug away. Well, I think authorjenniferbuck.com is a good website, and then it'll give you links to Barnes & Noble and Amazon because I, I think they are the best reliability customer service-wise. Um, if they want more information on me, though, or more information on how to become involved in any movements or, or work with the youth, 
I have a Facebook page that they can find me on. It's uh, Jennifer Buck, but the Facebook page is Up and Coming Author. Because Twitter, sometimes you can't say as much as you want to as you can on your Facebook page. <laughs> hey, you want to share some other thoughts about your book, Dandelions, for our, for our listeners and our potential readers? Well, <clears throat> I, I just want to say that I hope anyone at any point who remembers what it was like being a child, being a teenager, queer or not queer, just trying to figure out who you were, who you wanted to be, how you felt, surviving puberty, surviving fitting in, surviving which group you were supposed to be in in high school, and and if you weren't in the popular group, how you survived being a nerd, how you survived with your parents, and and figuring out what was going to happen to you when you became an adult, all at the same time growing up with so many outside influences. If you just remember what that was like, then Dandelions will speak to you. Again, you can uh, read my review, but what's important about Dandelions is it's the character building. It's not just uh, one sentence about a character. There is fleshed out characters that you can get to know and get to understand how they interact with Yonder and Yonder's world, how she realizes who she really is. It's truly a wonderful coming-of-age story. Yeah, and I think I think the whole point is, remember, the book's called Dandelion, it's, and it's about surviving when the wind blows you around and, and being that, that playing in the ground or not. And, you know, some one person said to me in one of the reviews, I didn't like the way you introduced other characters. It broke up the storyline. But that was the whole point was to profile not only this town that Yonder grew up in, was but to remember the people that surround you might have had a struggle like you or a story like you, and they're very integrated into your environment. And it's fascinating to understand the people that are around you and hear their stories and their struggles and understand sometimes even the smallest things we have in common. There you go, folks. Uh, yes, please check out Dandelions by Jennifer Buck. You can find it on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Nobles, iBooks. And um, check it out, read it. And most importantly, if you're going to read it, please leave a review on Goodreads, on Amazon. It's very helpful for Jennifer and other independent authors. It's a perfect way to support independent authors and share with your friends. You know, contact Jennifer if you have any questions. I'm sure she will respond to you. We are keeping it indie. That means that we will always respond to our fans right away. So um, thank you for joining me. I will have more interviews. If you are interested, if you have a book and you want to have an interview, contact me on my website or by email, contact at lifeofabassett.com. So thank you, Jennifer. It was really nice. Thank you very much. Thanks, Damien. Thanks for joining me for my first interview for a Bastards interview. Not only can you pick up Dandelions by Jennifer Buck, you can also pick up my book, Life of a Bastard, Volume 1. Check it out. It's a coming-of-age story in New York City's foster care system. True story. And where can you pick it up? Well, check out my website, www.lifeofabastard.com. All links to Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, iBooks, Nook, and Kobo are available there and from my publisher, Book Locker. And not only do I have 
my book and preview to my book, you can also check out my reviews for a bass's reviews and check out what I'm reading. I try to read so I can become a better writer. So I suggest you read more. Check out my Goodreads link. You can read all the reviews of Life of a Bastard and read the reviews I write on the books that I prefer to read. Thank you for joining me. Peace out.